Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Okay. Here's the deal. I'm not here to waste your time. Okay? I certainly hope you're not here to waste mine. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Two little mice found in a bucket of cream. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. Be water, my friend. Welcome to Unstrategic, the podcast about digital strategy. Hey guys, today we are going to be talking about something that's very dear to me, and that's project scope development, also known as project definition, project scope management, or simply scoping. I'm your host, Adam James Lamagna, and I'm excited to share my project scope development template with you guys today. So feel free to stop the podcast, head over to unstrategic.com slash project scope to download the project scope template now. We are going to be walking through how to properly scope web projects today. So yes, I do have an affinity for scoping web projects. It's something that I did for a very long time as a solutions consultant. And let's face it, there's a lot of room for error here. I mean, project scope development is a process to determine and document a list of specific goals, deliverables, tasks, price estimates, and timeline estimates for a web project. It is the first step in ensuring a web project is successful. It's also to get all parties, you know, the clients, the stakeholders, the agencies, the freelancers on the same page. So scope development is not easy and should be taken very seriously. Without it, projects can go off the rails very quickly and cause contention uh, in agency and client relationships or freelancer client, agency freelancer relationships. Every web digital strategist will need to fully understand how to scope a web project so there's no room for interpretation. Otherwise, you'll get what's called scope creep, and we'll talk about trying to eliminate that. Now, every project will be different, but this guide should act as a blueprint for determining scope to get your project off to the right start. Okay, so this template is going to touch on five different areas. The first is going to be strategy, and this will be an overview of the project in the business. For section two, we'll move into UX and design, so understanding the site architecture, the user experience, the visual design of the project. For section three, we'll talk about technology, where we'll focus on features, functionality, and the content management experience. For section four, we'll look at the peripheral landscape, and these are services that may not fall within your scope, but might be beneficial to the client. This will help eliminate scope creep, which happens more often than it should. And then the last section, section five, we're gonna talk about ongoing support and continued value for your clients. So let's look at strategy. In section one, you're gonna gather information about the business, understand goals and objectives, and make sure all the stakeholders are involved in the process. But remember that we need to do this in context of the project itself. So this section communicates a number of different questions you should be asking your client or prospect. Use the template to help form the beginning of a good conversation with them. 
So the first question table on page five is of the project overview. Remember, you know, you're working with a client or a prospect that wants to do some kind of digital or web initiative. So we need to learn about that project overview. So understand at a high level what they are trying to accomplish. Is it a redesign, a migration? Are they trying to build a membership platform or a simple marketing site? And then what are their primary goals? Uh, what are their secondary goals? What are their tertiary goals? You also want to get their requirements, so get a high-level overview of certain requirements including branding, design aesthetic, third-party integrations, features and functionality, and we'll flesh these out over the next coming sections, uh, but right off the bat it's good to know if there's any kind of big bombshells in terms of features or functionality, third parties, etc. Now, another good question to ask is how will we define success for the project? Uh, what will the criteria be? You know, do they need help identifying this? Has your client ever uh, done an initiative like this and have they been successful at it? What did that look like? It's also the time to talk about risks and opportunities. So does your client foresee any major or minor risks to the project? What areas might be problematic? Now, we also want to think outside the box right at the beginning, right? Are there more than just problems that we can solve? Are there any opportunities to be innovative or gain advantages with new technologies? Uh, that will bring value to the table for you when you're talking with your client about this project. Now, we also need to talk about budget and timeline. So knowing, knowing the client or prospect's budget and timeline are a must. And the reason for that is obvious. I mean, if you're working with a client or prospect that you know needs a six-month project done in one month, it might not be the best opportunity for you or your agency. And a lot of clients and prospects don't enjoy sharing budget numbers. So I always ask in a calm and direct voice if they have a budget uh, that they can share. If they say no, then I'll usually say, well, you know, with everything that we know now, uh, about the project overview, it does look like this could range from X amount to about X amount. Is that something that you were thinking or is that, is that a number that you're comfortable with? And you'll know pretty much right off the bat if your budget and their budget uh, align. And if they don't, again, it may not be the best project uh, fit for you or, or opportunity fit for you. In this first section, I also usually like to jot down some additional notes and it really revolves around, you know, um, the, the things that I feel or see when I'm talking with a client. So, you know, are they feeling, uh, you know, excited about this project? Do they look a little worried about the project? Do they have concerns about the project? Uh, also, you know, try to get a feel for which stakeholders need to be won over or convinced. Um, and then, you know, if there's any vital information that your client thinks might be valuable or wise to share, uh, then try and pry that stuff out of them. In the second question table on page six, we'll chat with our client about their business. And this goes back to holistic strategy, what we were talking about on, la on the last podcast episode with understanding and evaluating the entity. This is going to help because it'll give you more info and insight into the project itself. But this is also a strategic move to be seen as more than just a web vendor. You'll be seen as a partner, as a true partner, one that is invested in the success of your client's project and business. Understand their business and marketing efforts at a high level. There doesn't need to be a deep dive into this stuff now, 
but understand their lines of business, services or products, ask about their culture, ask about any big changes made recently or coming up, then get into understanding a little about their customer, right? How do they currently connect with them? How do customers find their website through SEO, SEM, social campaigns, etc.? Do they have web personas created or is that a part of the project? Where are their users hanging out online or, or where are they shopping online? Ask about their primary goals for visitors on the site. Ask about their secondary goals, their tertiary goals. Is there a certain behavior flow that works now on their current site? What do they feel needs improvement? Ask about their industry and what's trending or influencing or disrupting the space. And you should also ask about analytics and tracking. What platform are they currently using? Can you have access to it? Because that will help us analyze current behavior and possibly create a baseline for future success. There also needs to be clarification around tracking integrations. So will the agency be responsible for integrating Google Analytics, Hotchart, Chartbeat, Web Trends, Omniture? There's so many uh, different platforms out there. So be clear about what your role is with implementing and potentially maintaining these tools because believe me, they can become extremely tedious. On page seven, we'll talk about discovery and documentation. You'll need to assess what level of discovery will be needed. Is this a one-day workshop discovery? Um, or will the client need an entire week? And it all depends on the size of the initiative. How many stakeholders need or want to be involved in the process? Make sure you get their titles and their roles. Ask who has the final say in the approval process. Is this an individual or is it a review board? It's important to talk with your client about collaboration tools also. What is the best way for your client to communicate? Are they in the same city and expect an in-person status report every week, or do they prefer Google Hangouts? And all of this is important because depending on the answers, it will add time to the project. Now you should also ask your client if they have any material that needs to be looked over, like production reports, product descriptions, brand positioning docs, etc. Oftentimes clients will have done internal work or work with other agencies that can help provide direction or just give you a clearer picture. And finally, you'll need to get a sense of what type of documentation needs to be completed. Now, obviously, you know, an SOW and discovery documentation are usually standard with web projects, but will the client need things like design documentation or technical documentation? Once you have this first section complete, you'll have a pretty solid overview of the project and potential approaches will be swirling around in your head. You will still need to dig deeper on the design and technology sections to help eliminate any scope creep. So let's dive into that. In section two, the design phase, you'll have mainly three components that need to be addressed. Information architecture, user experience, and visual design. I should start by saying that we need to make sure the client has brand standards or guidelines that you'll be working with. If not, then that might be a project within itself if they need things like a logo, a tagline, brand identity. Now other clients might just need a couple of font families to choose from, so make sure to be clear about branding and what your role will be. 
Site architecture, or information architecture, IA, really revolves around what content types are on the site. Now, don't get me wrong, information architecture is definitely a discipline, but for the purposes of scoping, we just need to understand the different content types because this will give us a feel for how many pages or page templates we may need to create. If clients are in disagreement about what to name their content types, you can always use a TreeJack test, which is a designless user test to determine the clarity of the nomenclature of the information architecture. It's, it's pretty cool, and the link is in the template, and it could help with any stakeholder battles. Now, you can also ask your clients if any internal designer on their team has worked on any wireframes. The only reason I bring this up is because there was one time I scoped a project and did not ask about this, and the client had already done some internal work that our designers could have used as a starting point. Uh, but this should come up in the first section when we are asking about the client material. Now, getting to the look and feel of a website and getting this right can be tricky, especially if there are a number of stakeholders. You'll use brand standards to start, but you can consider doing something like a 20-second gut test. Uh, again, link is in the template. It's a great way to establish a design direction that your client uh, might like. Now, over the years, I've realized that color schemes and font families hardly ever help with conversion rates. Probably never. So work with your client to make the design according to their needs and their wants within reason. And just be clear about the number of design cycles that they'll get, usually around three to four rounds depending on the size of the project. And that anything after that, over four rounds, is going to incur additional charges. Okay, so now we get into technology, and in this section, it's going to focus on features and functionality, and I'll explain the difference there, and the content management experience. So there are different elements that will help deliver both a good front-end user experience and an efficient back-end content management experience. We're going to gather the technical requirements for the project and determine how much time it'll take to effectively build and implement all the necessary tools. The CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. For features on page 13, we're going to look at the type of website. And this, you know, is going to be figured out in the project overview, right? Is it a marketing site? Is it a blog? Is it a membership platform? It's important to note that the type of website will help determine what features it should be equipped with. Some examples are, you know, that blogging website, you're going to need a search bar, related posts, recent posts, category pages, archive pages. For a marketing website, you're going to need things like services details pages, contact forms, testimonials, and reviews. For a membership website, you'll need membership signups, profiles, directories. All those are features. A feature is a means of providing a benefit to users. We will determine this based off of the goals, the users, and the type of website. Talk with your client about the core features, the absolute must-haves on the website. Now, there are too many features to name, but your clients will usually come equipped with a wish list of features. Determine if those features will help users with their goals on the website and if they'll help clients with their project goals. If the answer is yes, then put this into a core feature list. 
Anything else can go into the secondary features list, features that might enhance core features. Also, ask your client if time and cost were not an issue, what features would they really want on the site, which will help get more of an understanding for the client's hopes, desires, needs for the project. Functionality goes hand in hand with features, right? So functionality should help users execute an activity on the website. You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna talk about core functionality. What is the core functionality of the website? Is it site-wide or at an individual page level? You know, functionality can be sliders, carousels, image or video galleries, animation on calls to action or hover over states, breadcrumb navigation. The goal of implementing functionality should make user paths easier, more engaging, and helpful. Talk to your client about secondary functionality. You know, what would be nice to have? If time or cost was not an issue, what crazy, awesome functionality would you add to the website? You'll want to talk about integrated functionality. So is there going to be some kind of map integration like Google Maps or Leaflet? You know, maybe they'll need embedded social comments on a particular page. Um, you know, which email marketing platform will the newsletter sign up need to be integrated with? Things like that are helpful to know. And then, you know, definitely ask about third-party integrations because this is where you can really lose a lot of time and scope creep can really come into play. So there are there any features or functionality that might require third-party widgets? You know, if so, make sure that these are compatible with the system being used and check to see if, you know, the, the support for the third party has favorable reviews. Again, third parties can be really tedious and time consuming, but it, it can also be essential to building a website. So just, again, make sure what third parties you're going to use, how will they be implemented on the site, who's responsible for doing that, who's responsible for maintaining third parties, etc. Make sure all that stuff kind of comes out into the open when you talk about functionality uh, and features. For content management, given the amount of knowledge that we know about the website, we will have an idea of what we'll need from a back-end perspective in terms of workflows, user roles, and tool set. So, you know, first we need to figure out content management platform. Does the client have a CMS in mind or are they looking for guidance on this? WordPress, Drupal, Sitecore. Um, if there are certain custom content types that require custom fields, what are they? Are they text input, character input, number input? We also need to know what types of roles and permissions are needed from a content management user perspective. So is there a single sign-on? Because that can be a beast within itself. Uh, things like, you know, two-factor authentication. Will admin, editor, author, contributor work for user roles, or would we need to create custom roles? Uh, and again, this will be dependent on workflow. And then you'll ask about, you know, content management workflow. Will there need to be continual posts and pages created? What type of workflow will this follow? How many CMS user roles will be involved? And then ask about toolset. Will there be any custom tools required to help with content management? Can we find these in plugins or widgets or add-ons, or will these need to be customized content management features? Um, all things you'll want to ask about the content management experience. A lot of it will be determined on what we know already in terms of feature, functionality, website goals, 
website content types, and more. Let's try to eliminate scope creep. And I'm not saying this is ever fully done. Scope creep usually tends to come in at some point in some form or another, but we can try to mitigate it. So scope creep occurs when the project is not properly defined or documented. So we need to set clear expectations with our clients around what is covered and what is not covered. Let them know the full services you provide and which ones you do not. Document everything. It's important to document the full scope of the project and also document what's not included. Put it in writing, please. And then get, consen get consensus and agreement. Identify and agree to a particular set of tasks and deliverable for the project. Define, assign, and then schedule it. I find scope creep to happen in a few common areas with web projects. So clearly outline if the following services are included or not included. Content is a huge one. So will the client create their own content? If not, determine a set of number of content cycles and pages for content creation. Uh, this can trip up web projects not only on budget, but clearly on time. If there is a content migration, uh, can or will the client do any manual content upload? And obviously this is gonna depend on how much content the previous site has. Make sure to define a browser device matrix to let clients know which versions of browsers on what devices you'll use for quality assurance. Most agencies say something like, you know, cross-browser testing on the latest publicly available versions of Firefox, Chrome, Safari, and IE. Obviously try to avoid older versions of certain browsers uh, for obvious reasons. Now, when we get into things like hosting, uh, SSL certificates, platform fees. Some agencies will include hosting, but others won't. So make sure to define that. You know, what's your standard procedure? Will you include an SSL certificate? I mean, everybody is going on HTTPS these days. Um, it's the secure thing to do. And also, if you're not working with open source platforms, will that platform fee be a, a one-time cost, an annual fee? Is it a part of the project? Is it not a part of the project? You'll also need to look at accessibility and ADA compliance because this can be really tricky. There are different levels of compliance for different industries, and I would implore you to read up on it and clearly define what you'll do as a part of the scope. So there is a link in the template. And remember, we also need to talk about marketing channels uh, and and platforms. Websites do not operate in silos, so it might be worth figuring out what other marketing channels will help the project succeed and let the client know this. I mean, you don't want to be putting up a Facebook business page at the end of the project because your client totally forgot that was important and really thought that that was a part of the scope, but it actually wasn't. So just talk about those things. And if scope creep does happen, then you'll need to have a process for managing that change to the project. And that's usually done through things like change orders and increased scoping. Finally, we're going to talk about ongoing support. So will there be ongoing support and maintenance and value for the client once the project is complete? What will that entail? How many hours per month do you foresee? 
What's included in maintenance? Is this only changes to text and imagery, or will this include new features and functionality development? Are backups and updates included? Will the client need 24-7 service if something goes wrong? How many hours per month will the client receive? 10, 20, et cetera. These are things that you need to, to ask your client in the scoping process. And then we need to also talk about strategy and opportunity because that's a little different than support and maintenance, right? Will there be continued strategy sessions to discuss things like new features, um, new market trends, new layouts for pages, new business goals? Is there a deliverable from the ongoing strategy sessions? Is there some kind of report that needs to be produced? You know, what kind of prep work needs to go into this? Will the strategist working with the client be expected to find new opportunity and insights? All things that need to be uh, discussed and talked about. And, you know, it depends on what you guys do as an agency or as a freelancer. If those are not services you provide, then just let your clients know it, it's support and maintenance depending on their direction. And then if there are other services like content or accessibility uh, that were added to the scope, then oftentimes things like that need to be maintained and could take longer than a standard set of, say, 10 hours per month. You might want to tack on a few extra to, to cover things like that. So ongoing services can be a great way to earn recurring revenue, uh, but it does help to show, you know, obviously the value to your client every month, every quarter. And you and your client need to come to a determination on what that value looks like. In closing, a successful project scope development properly identifies what is required to hit the project objectives, but also assesses potential risk and opportunities. Remember to do the following. Understand the project and business goals. Discuss all aspects of design and technology, including features, functionality, and the content management experience. Set clear expectations around scope creep and documenting changes if they happen and then determine if ongoing strategy, support, and maintenance is needed. I really hope this guide helps you make sure that the project scope is accurately defined and mapped. All this information will help in writing a scope of work or an SOW, which will entail the project overview, the project tasks, and project deliverables. But we can get into writing an SOW on another episode. I'm your host, Adam James LaMagna. Thanks so much for joining us this week, guys. Please feel free to reach out on Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud, and we will see you soon. Cheers.